0: You've tuned in to the Beaver Tales Podcast. Instead of sponsors, this podcast gives some free exposure to nonprofits that are doing some fantastic work, whether locally or internationally or anywhere in between. This episode is mentioning Kingdom Home, a charity very closely related to Oregon State, run by former Beaver pitcher, Matt Boyd. Matt and his wife, Ashley, Operate Kingdom Home, which is based in Uganda. Even though Matt is still pitching in the major leagues, still founded and Operate Kingdom Home, which began as basically just a house for young girls in Uganda to escape the child sex slave and trafficking industry. With the help of a house parent, education, and other resources, this home provides these girls a safe place to grow up and live, and now they've also expanded to a home for boys as well. You can check out their operation online, see how they're helping some children in need, and. Helping them move on to the next stage in life at kingdomhome.org. Again, that's kingdomhome.org where you can donate and get involved. Thanks for tuning into the Beaver Tales Podcast. Now on to the episode. This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Ward, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, hi again, everybody. I'm Josh Warden on the Beaver Tales podcast, where I talk with former Oregon State student athletes about their playing career and what they've done ever since then. I'm almost 40 episodes into this podcast, but unfortunately, not every sport that's sponsored by Oregon State has been represented on this podcast. Trying to touch on all the sports, but one of them at least does find their first guest here today that is the oregon state gymnastics program and there are plenty of voices to talk with from this program in fact i'll get Three guests just in the next uh, week or two from the gymnastics team. We go back a few years with Jen Kessler today. She's now Jen Llewellyn, coaching at Lindenwood University. Jen was an All American at Oregon State, making the NCAA championships in 2011 as a senior in the uneven bars. And her score of 9.875 was good for second in the nation. She was also a second-team All-American as a freshman and sophomore as well. After finishing in 2011, she was a graduate assistant at OSU. That was the 2012 season, and since then, she's basically been the head coach at Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri. That's a D2 program, and it's kind of a funny story about how she became the head coach because it wasn't the initial intention for her to be the the leader of that program, but it just kind of happened suddenly, and we talk about that about halfway through The conversation. She's now heading into her ninth year as head coach for a program that started in 2013. So she basically came in right as the program was beginning. In 2016, Llewellyn was named the USA Gymnastics Head Coach of the Year. Just in the last five years, the team has won three national championships. Lindenwood is a D2 school and compete in the USA Gymnastics Collegiate Championships, which includes D3, D2, and D1 programs. Any any schools basically with less than seven and a half full scholarships for their gymnastics program. So in that subdivision, three national championships in the last five years. The season was shortened in 2020 with only the senior night remaining, but the team did finish atop the conference standings, the sixth straight conference title, for Llewellyn and the Lindenwood program. A couple of fellow OSU gymnasts have coached with Llewellyn at OSU, including Brittany Harris, who I will also have on this podcast soon. In fact, I talked to him about an hour apart just a few days ago. Brittany is currently an assistant at Lindenwood, not to mention Becky Colvin, or now Becky Stevens. So there's three OSU grads all the way over in Missouri, who have coached together. Not to mention a full other fun story in regards to Jen Llewellyn's assistance. Now, when she was at OSU, she was known as Jen Kessler, a three-time All-American on the Uneven Bars. But now she's Jen Llewellyn, having married Cody Llewellyn, who was a coach at Lindenwood on the women's basketball program. He was a trainer as well. The two married in 2017. And a couple years later, Cody became a gymnastics coach. So he actually joined the Lindenwood staff being an assistant for his wife, Jen. It's actually a very similar situation to Oregon State, where Tanya Chaplin is the head coach. Her husband, Michael, is an assistant in the same program. Jen's coaches at OSU were Tanya and Michael. And yes, she did go back and ask for some advice and learn from them, on the best practices and what that's like to be married to your own assistant so here is Jen Llewellyn a native of Kenmore Washington she earned her bachelor's degree at OSU in merchandising management and her master's at Lindenwood in communications really fun conversation with former all-american at Oregon State and now the head coach at Lindenwood University enjoy this episode everybody Well, yeah, thanks for joining me, Jen, for the Beaver Tales podcast and some gymnastics guests on and showing the Lindenwood pipeline from OSU. Thanks for joining <laughs> me today.
1: Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited for this.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, uh, gosh, it's seven it's years ago, guess. about where you went from Oregon State, spent a year coaching after your career, went over to Missouri, and now it's been eight seasons of coaching at Lindenwood. Has it felt fast, and how did your eighth season, this most recent one, go?
1: Yeah, it's flown by. Um, As I was telling you a little bit before we started this conversation, we're moving my mom right now, and so we went down memory lane of going through all of my college stuff, and barometer newspapers, and just pictures and stuff, and it's just wild that it's been over 10 years, I feel so old. <laughs> yeah. um, this eight, these eight years in, at Lindenwood in Missouri have gone by super fast and they really aren't lying when you say years go faster and faster, the old, older you get. Um, and our, our eighth year was a really great year as a team, obviously got cut short with COVID um, and it was really, really devastating for the senior class and just for our team. Cause I think the point that season got cut short is the is the point of the season when we were finally figuring out um, our our journey as a team and and reaching our peak, which is the best um, time to peak throughout the season. Um, but fortunately, we were able to have a makeshift senior night because um, we were actually getting ready to have our last home meet and senior night the day before um, it got cut. And um, fortunately, we were able to do a still a, a meet, if you will, a mock meet, um with families there and it was just close to the we had about 50 family and friends there and they basically could do whatever they wanted. So they chose their own Leo and they did dancers on floor and some of them just did even a timer and just saluted and it was just a a really, really fun, probably the most unique senior night ever. But um so it was fortunate to be able to have a good ending for a, a really tough season.
0: Yeah, no that's that's a fun way to do it. I know a lot of programs probably had to make some crazy decisions oregon state was kind of in the same boat and it was like right. oh we're gonna have the meet and oh then none of the fans can come and oh maybe it's gonna be just osu and yeah the opponent can't come and then basically they didn't really get to do a senior night i'm glad that you got at least a somewhat kind of half right. meet and i heard basically you got a full 200 because you can give tens for everyone basically when it's like that. yes
1: exactly <laughs> Highest score of the season.
0: Exactly. Uh, so now, since you're moving your mom, do you get to, to come back either to Washington or Oregon? Or are you in Missouri now? Or where where do you kind of spend the off seasons these days?
1: Um, we stay here. We actually just moved her to a different apartment in the same area. My husband, Cody, who also coaches with us too, his family lives two hour two and a half hours um, north in Illinois. So we go and visit them often in the summertime. But For the most part, we're here. My mom is probably going to be with us anywhere we move to just because it's her and I for family and we're really close in that sense. And she loves still supporting gymnastics and coming to all the meets and she travels to some of the meets where we go to. But we did a spontaneous beach trip a couple weeks ago and drove down to Gulf Shores. So other than that, we've been pretty locked down in our house because we do have a a five-month-old so we've been enjoying just time at home um, and spending time as a family.
0: Yeah, a beach trip sounds fun, but that's a whole different meaning when you're going from Missouri to do a beach trip.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. It's definitely a different beach than the Oregon coast. Sure. So. Yeah.
0: (laughs) When, I mean, you mentioned your your first child, which based on the timeline, that must have been kind of in the middle of the season. How did that work out to be pregnant for at least part of the season? I mean, how did that work out and when during that year did you actually give birth?
1: Yeah, it was a very crazy season to say the least. Um, So we found out May of last year that we were pregnant. And then when we did the math, it was going to be an early February baby. He ended up coming January 28th, and in my mind, I feel like as, as gymnasts, we always have this plan of like things are going to go this way, and so I was planning only to miss one meet, and that was when we flew to Texas to compete at TWU, and then that didn't work out um, because I got the flu, so I had to miss another meet, and then it was just a crazy time, and we had a, a, just a bunch of other things within our team outside of gymnastics that had happened, so a lot of different obstacles and um, just challenging times that happened. As the season hit, so we were literally just day by day handling every single fire that came came through and putting it out, but um, we have a really great staff, and fortunately, between the four of us and then our athletic trainer, we made it work, and we just helped guide our girls when they needed us <laughs> each day. So
0: That's one of the fun parts is your assistant coaching staff. They've gotten a few awards, mm-hmm. both in the conference level awesome. and the USA Gymnastics level of either one particular one like your husband or the, the group as a whole getting you know assistant yeah. staff of the year a few times and yes. part of that's Brittany Harris who also coached at OSU you've had yep. Becky Colvin or Becky Stevens on the staff and other OSU and then your own husband so tell yeah. me tell me about what that's been like to have gosh some some assistants who are very close to you in, in multiple different ways and how they really needed to fill in for you in, in a crazy time this season.
1: Yeah, so this was, they all three completed their second season here at Lindenwood, and so it was actually just wild how it worked out, and just a perfect storm for how they all three started coaching um, here at Lindenwood, and um, last season, I guess it was um, end of summer, probably end of July, when we had lost our two assistant coaches, one went to become the head coach at CMO Gymnastics, and one to be the assistant at San Jose State, which is obviously a great... Um, move for both of them. Um, so it was just me and the girls. Um, so that's when um, Cody and I, we had always talked about eventually working together in some capacity. And he has always been in sports with an, being an athletic trainer and a former women's basketball coach. Um, and then I've always had Michael and Tanya as mentors of husband and wife duo. Um, and same with my club coaches. So it kind of just made sense. And so we took a leap of faith there. And then I chatted with Tanya and she said Brittany was interested in in taking her next step um, to growing as a coach and wanting to really dive into college coaching. So it really worked out perfectly that she was able to join as the first assistant. And then Becky um, was in the corporate world and just wasn't loving it um, and was really wanting to get into coaching. So it really worked out perfectly for her to be Um, fill that other assistant position and literally couldn't have been more of a perfect storm. And it's great because we obviously all have history with being teammates together and then um, just being one big family. So it's worked out really, really, really well. And our girls have been um, doing a great job with it.
0: Yeah, that's that's another whole fun connection is you're kind of paralleling your Oregon State days and that Tanya mm-hmm. Chaplin. For those who don't know, the the Oregon State staff as well. Tanya's the head coach, Michael her husband, an assistant coach, and you've basically done the same thing with Cody being an assistant. Uh, you got married before. Well, he was at Lindenwood, like you said, he was you know on, on the women's basketball staff, and then you were married for a while. He was not on the gymnastic staff yet, and then joined mm-hmm. after you were married. So. How did that go both for, did you have to, were you worried at all? Like, do we want to be on the same staff while married? Would that be difficult? Oh yeah, it would work great. And then also just the aspect of, it's a different sport. I mean, sure, a coach is a coach in terms of the mentoring, but it's another thing to learn the technique of gymnastics and the nuance of that. So how did that go both personally in terms of like, how is this going to affect our marriage if we're on the same staff (laughs) and just in terms of the sport? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I think, so we both met at Lindenwood. He was a GA when I was a GA as well. And so we both have had a passion for sport and for helping young people and and being mentors for them. And so even when we started dating back in 2013, I think that had always been a a part of our conversation. So um, it really was just kind of a perfect storm of when we needed help for our athletes and we just needed good people to join our staff. And I've always been a firm believer in college athletics you're teaching people first and that's what Michael and Tanya did for us as student athletes and learning the technique and the corrections and all of that. That's a pretty, not, I'm not gonna say it's easy, but that's a very um, learned trait. So personally we had talked about it for a long time and we went into it saying we can try it for a year and if it works great, if it doesn't, then we can, you know, go to a different place or do or do something else. But, um, And then professionally he dove in headfirst and is learning a lot, watching lots of YouTube videos and working summer camps. And fortunately the athletes know he's new and um, he wants to learn. So they're um, very flexible in helping um, be patient with him or if he's asking questions and they're, they're helping him learn as well. So we put a lot of thought into it in both aspects and just growing every day.
0: Did you, learn anything from Tanya and Michael when you were there and you saw how they interacted and how they work together it seems like they have a very you know professional way of going about it where you might not even know they were married but then they you know they've got their relationship that I don't know if it seems to fit well so did you learn from anything how they interacted at the time or maybe reached out to them when you were dating Cody or thinking about him joining the staff like hey how did you do this or any advice (laughs) you gained from them how did, did you learn from them at all
1: all of the above I know when we were and again I didn't really think about it because that's all I knew in club and college was having a husband wife coaching staff but reflecting after the four years I always remember they did a phenomenal job of Being very professional when they were in the gym, they were always so respectful of one another and they did a phenomenal job of balancing each other out of, I don't want to say good cop, bad cop, but having that balance of just perfectly balancing each other out in the coaching world. And I think they were just a really good example of what it looks like to be in a good marriage in a good partnership and also taking care of your athletes, but also taking care of your family. So, I mean, they've set the standard and the bar really, really high for, (laughs) I feel like everyone else in the coaching world in a lot of aspects but they just did a really good job of not allowing any personal problems or anything like that they just they handled their lives very well and and then when we went into coaching we definitely called them and asked for advice and help and they've they're still helping us to this day but yes we I definitely I think their goals in their relationship and coaching personally and professionally
0: Hi everybody, I hope you're enjoying this interview on the Beaver Tales podcast. I want to interrupt real quick to give you an update on a new project. Coming up later this year, I'll be unveiling a full season's worth of sports documentaries related to Oregon State athletics. These audio documentaries will give you a deeper look at some of the most classic Beaver moments, and the first season will center around the 2018 Beaver baseball team. I've already interviewed about a dozen players and coaches from that team, as well as people not affiliated with OSU that'll give you a new perspective on that championship squad that team it's like there was a constant level of greatness that was to be upheld those are legends who were on that 2018 team i mean that many first rounders in the same lineup whether we won the national championship or not i was always going to love those guys again this project will come out hopefully later this calendar year i'll give you more information about a release date and other info as well right here on future episodes of the beaver tales podcast all right, back to the interview. So you mentioned 2013 going over to Lindenwood, which must have been a crazy year because that was right around the time your relationship started with Cody, as you said. And then your coaching journey was also growing in what maybe seemed like a normal path. You, you finished at Oregon State, let's see, your spring of 2011 would have been your final mm-hmm. year of eligibility. Then you stayed kind of for a year and coached mm-hmm. as a GA at OSU. And then you kind of were going to stay as a GA in that in that role but over at Lindenwood so you go to Missouri but then you didn't stay in that role very long so tell me about 2013 coming to Lindenwood and how the timeline of that first gymnastic season went seven years ago
1: sure so I yeah I did a, a fifth year at Oregon State and I didn't think I ever wanted to go into coaching I wanted to be in the business world and work my way up the corporate ladder and then being at, um, at Oregon State for the fifth year I was able to I guess volunteer and help out, and I just went into the gym every day because I didn't know anything different, um, and to fill my time. And I fell in love with seeing that other side of it. And I moved a lot of mats. And I just, I think I spent time listening and observing Michael and Tanya and John. Um, and then there was a couple of openings um, after that season was over. And I remember Marianne Vidra. The biggest thing she ever said was just apply and go for it. And Tanya and Michael encouraged me to apply and for this GA position. And it was the first year of a brand new program and it was the first program to be added to the NCAA since Arkansas in 2003 and so I had no idea what I was getting myself into which was probably better that I had no idea what it entailed and it was just a GA position so I was getting my master's so it was a great opportunity and I thought it was only going to be two years and then I could move back to Seattle or Oregon and then the first season started and the head coach left after the first meet of the season. So January, second weekend of January, she decided to resign. And then it was me and the girls um, because the other assistant coach had left in in November. Um, So it was me and 10 freshmen basically. And then fortunately we practice out of a club gym and uh, that coach there, Scott Cusimano is um, really, active in the college gymnastics world. He had had athletes go on to college gymnastics. So he was very well versed. And, um, so he stepped in and helped where he needed to. And then we had Annie Alameda who works at Lindenwood as a professor, but is also a college judge. Um, so she stepped in too. and, um, it was just a really crazy year, but probably one of the best and most fun years because it was, we were just taking it day by day and meet by meet. And, um, Then after that year, uh, I didn't think I ever wanted to be a head coach. I never aspired to do that. I thought I'd be a really great assistant coach. Um, And then Marianne said, why not even apply for it and just go for it? If you like it, you can keep doing it. If you don't like it, then you can always say no. Um, And that was probably the best piece of advice I've ever received. And here I am.
0: Wow. So seven yeah. years as a head coach, one as an interim accidental head coach, if you will. Uh, so that first season where you kind of jump into that role with a lot of help, which makes, I mean, yes. that, that definitely is, is a huge piece to that. But you're kind of, you know, one meet into it. The the head coach, if you will, did the girls, the, the 10 student athletes who are on the team who, you know, the, each of them has got their own story of why they came to Lindenwood and how big, yeah. you know, their gymnastics career was or whether or not they would have been Lindenwood with gymnastics or without a gymnastics program but it was the first year of the program they're all you know first years did they did any of them get real scared like oh gosh we lost our head coach what am I doing here did it it seem like they really bought into the program I mean I wouldn't blame them if there was a bit of a sputter (laughs) like I don't know what we're doing but how did that go
1: yeah Um, I think it was more of because they did have so much support, not just from me, but from Scott, from Annie, our administration and university was really supportive because I know they had reached out to the parents to reassure them that even though this looks a little bit crazy, we support the team 100%. So I think just by reassuring the athletes that we were there for them, we were going to get through the season. At that point, we really had no expectations. So it was just have fun and learn and um, trial and error that year. So it ended up being really Really, really fun and ended up being probably more successful than originally had planned because I think that stress of expectations that first year kind of went by the wayside and they were just really enjoying themselves. So, yes, it turned out better than (laughs) it expected to be.
0: Yeah. Let's kind of go back to some of your experience as a gymnast since we touched a lot on coaching, but we haven't really talked about your time. Uh, at Oregon State, yes. Yeah. So when you were at OSU, I remember looking at kind of your prep career coming in where you mm-hmm. were, you know, the level 10 championships and you, you know, got the, the all around and the vault that's 06 and 07 kind of near the end of your high school career, then the uneven bars in 07. But then when you came to Oregon State, your focus was more uneven bars and beam. So Tell me about how your focus was as a gymnast, what events you were doing. It seems like there was a bit of a switch there. How did that work? Were you going from level 10 and a couple events and then kind of switched at Oregon State? How did did that all work out for you?
1: Yeah, good question. I've actually never had that question asked to me. So I came in as a freshman and trained and competed all around. I didn't compete all around every meet, but um, trained it. My sophomore season, I ended up having an injury and having surgery after, but um because of that i started to put my focus more on bars and beam but um it just kind of evolved it wasn't really a plan i guess if you will but bars and beam are my passion and um i think that's where i was needed most if you will but um yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no it makes a lot of sense so when yes. you were coming out of kenmore and um, you're competing for a club called the gymnastics east clubs where you kind of grew mm-hmm. up and cut your teeth in the Gymnastics youth uh, area, and I'm kind—I'm fairly familiar. You can explain it more, but with the you know the levels of gymnastics, you move up through level three, four, five, all the way through ten, based on what mm-hmm. skills you do and your age and what you're you're capable of doing. And so, once you get to level ten, which is the highest level you can get to, basically in the USA gymnastics arena, uh, you won five national championships at the level ten level. So, and that was just in a span of two years. Uh, how quick did you go from realizing, oh, wow, wow, I'm one of the better level 10s to actually winning five national championships? I mean, how quick did that span go?
1: Pretty. I mean, I was in level 10 for quite a few years. And we come from a region in the Pacific Northwest where there's not a lot of gymnastics. So it's not maybe as competitive as some of the other regions where there's a lot more opportunity for gymnastics and gymnastics clubs there. But I don't know I had really great coaches in club and I think they just helped push me to be the best that I could be and we had a lot of experience competing with a lot of different people and had great club teammates but I don't know it just kind of (laughs) through hard work and just practicing every day um, opportunities came and took advantage of it and I love competing I'm a very competitive person so
0: And then once you got to Oregon State, you know, had some pretty high moments. Like, let's talk about 2011, the experience of going to NCAAs, getting second in the nation. Uh, What was 2011 like And reaching, you know, one of the highest peaks in, in college gymnastics in that whole season?
1: Yeah, I think 2011 was super special. Well, and even in all four of the years that I was at Oregon State, we had the ability to go to nationals as a team every year, and I think that is looking back and now being on being on the coaching side is an experience I will never take for granted. And I think at the time that's all you knew, and you just kind of expected we expected ourselves to go to nationals. But 2011 was a really special year because we did win Pac-10s, and it was the last Pac-10s before they switched over to Pac-12s. So before nationals happened, having that experience and earning that title at UCLA with it being that last Pac-10 championship and going to nationals too. I know that was a really special year as a team and we did very well there. And then on top of that, having so many individuals represented at individual event finals, that was fun too, to be able to do that with a big group of us at individual finals. And um, I know for, I think all of us, it was our first time at individual event finals together. And it was just a really fun, surreal experience. And When we did have day three of nationals, it was really low key. It was really laid back because by day three, we were just exhausted and at the end of season. So I know it was just a really fun kind of whatever happens. Obviously, you're competing for the highest honor there, but it was just really fun to be able to compete one last time, just more so for fun. And then we had that second place finish. So that was great.
0: There's a lot of really high moments and really fun experiences. I'm sure you had at OSU in your gymnastics career in general. The tough thing is that this is just the nature of gymnastics, because that every competitor's career arc is so truncated. I mean, pe- people just peak really early. That's just how gymnastics works. Yeah. Um, you're probably not going to be doing it at age 30, 35, 40. Mm-hmm. Um, like a basketball player might be lucky to go into their late 20s and 30s but that typically doesn't happen in gymnastics so when you were you know 18 19 20 through your oregon state career how did you go about trying to enjoy the success you had but knowing Mm -hmm. it was always going to be just a few more years and not that much longer how much did you like enjoy that but also realizing the brevity of it how did that work for you
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's always hard. And we talk about this with our athletes too. Um, I went through a period of feeling burnt out in college because I just had never taken a break. And um, I went through a year um, where I just lost my why and my kind of love for that sport. And then I think I found it my senior year. But it's hard because you, as a gymnast, you're going for 20 hours plus a week from the age of 10 10 and that's all you know is school, gym, home, homework, go to bed, and I, yeah, I don't know, but coming to college, it was, it was just a breath of fresh air, because it was, I feel like Michael and Tanya do a phenomenal job of trying to help you be a person outside of the sport of gymnastics, and so I, I, my four years, I, I learned a lot, and I grew a lot as a person, and as a gymnast, and Um, I was fortunate to be able to find my love for the sport again within my four years. But um, I think everyone's experience is so different. And when they reach their peak or when they, you know, if they go through those highs and lows and I'm sure it's the same for other sports too, but that was a little bit of my experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's part of the, the thing that I find most compelling in a lot of these conversations is both what happens when you transition out of your athletic career, or sometimes in your case, like, even losing a bit of that zeal and then getting it back during your career and Mm -hmm. then the career ending. So kind of to to wrap it all up and to close the conversation, when you finally did finish your career, 2011 being your final season competing, um, was there ever a moment where you had to kind of reassess who you are, what your goals were, like what your purpose was outside of just being a gymnast. Part of it is that now, I mean, you've stayed a gymnastic, so you haven't right. had to lose gymnastics as a part of your life, but it does look different. So how did that work for where you're looking for, okay, who am? who is Jen Kessler going to be at that time and what's gonna come up? Like what were what some things you learned in that time period about seven years ago?
1: Yeah, I think the transition I think that fifth year that I took, I was really thankful that I got to to have that opportunity to focus on school and um, focus on being a person outside of sport and outside of athletics, um, because it allowed me that time to figure out what I was passionate about um, without realizing how passionate I was still about gymnastics, because I would go in the gym every single day, and I didn't ever want to leave that environment. And I I love what I do, and I love that I get to be a part of the gymnastics community still and um, be able to give back to our athletes now what Tanya and Michael and John and all the coaches and people around me gave to us when I was a college athlete. Um, But, yeah, I think having that fifth year and being able to reflect and kind of figure out what is life now that college gymnastics is over, um, me. um, Trying to find
0: my way, that's uh, if that uh, answered your
1: question exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah no, exactly. It's always everyone has their own unique story of what, what happens yeah. when it comes to an end and who you're finding yourself to be, and we're all in that process, right? I mean, even as a coach, yes. or <laughs> you still got decades ahead of you in coaching right. and whatever you, you get into, so yeah. um. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking time to talk about some Oregon State Gymnastics stuff and Lindenwood. Best of luck for you um, going forward and and staying there in Missouri and your whole family. So thanks so much for talking with me.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And I look forward to following all of your documentaries and podcasts that you do.
0: Well, my thanks to Jen Llewellyn for joining me on the podcast. Really fun to hear her transition into coaching and a story that was not expected. She didn't think she'd be the head coach at Linda Wood, especially not that first season, but she kind of stumbled into that role and has spent uh, the last near decade, about eight years since then, as the head coach and building the program there, a really successful program And I think she's going to do great things. And like she said, uh, I am working on a documentary. We'd kind of talked about it off the air. And she said she was excited to hear that. I hope you are too. If you've heard anything about it, if you want to learn more, there's actually a link in the description for this episode for a website for the documentaries where you can learn more, get email updates. That first season, like you may have heard, partway through this podcast will cover the 2018 Beaver Baseball team. So if you want to hear those episodes, they will be free uh, and they'll be accessible just like this podcast is. But if you want to learn more and... Uh, get ready to hear what those might be like Uh, you can join the email list at the website in the description i'm kind of on a gymnastics kick right now jen was the first gymnast i've had on this podcast and she won't be the last i think even this week her assistant coach Brittany harris will join me also on this podcast also a more recent gymnast mary jacobson all three of whom competed for Oregon State. Brittany and Jen both coach at Lindenwood, and uh, Mary works for Google up in Washington now. So, some fun stories from all three of them, both with Oregon State gymnastics and what they've gotten their hands onto these days. Thanks for listening to the Beaver Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Warden. Until next time, everybody, good night and go Beeves.